ministry of Nelson Ihiago. Be stirred as you listen. Hi everybody, how are you guys doing? Thank you for joining Community Bible Study. Um, thank you for joining Community Bible Study. I want to... How's your week? I hope you had a good week. So I want to continue where we stopped last week. We've been doing a commentary on the book of Romans. Um, I wanted to ex- I wanted to continue, like I said, from where we stopped. Okay, fantastic. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. Lord, as we, as we study God's... As we study God's word, I ask that we see ourselves in you, even as you see us in you, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, remember when we stopped from last week, we doing a quick commentary of Romans chapter 6. I, I don't know where we'll stop, but I hope we can uh, stop somewhere that is, you know, really helps. We stopped, we, and I want to go back to Romans chapter 5 to explain Romans chapter 6. So, Romans chapter 5 from verse... Let me start from verse 20. The Bible says, or let me start from verse 19. He says, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one should many be made righteous. Verse 20, he said, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did abound much more. Now, pay attention to this verse 20. All right, I need you to pay attention to this verse 20. He said, he said, for we have seen, um, we have seen abounded, grace did abound much more, verse 21, that as sin had been unto death, even so might, might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Then you come to verse 1, and then he now says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now, a lot of people think that this Romans, a lot of people think that um, this Romans chapter 6 verse 1, what he's saying is, if you continue in sin, grace. But that's not exactly what this verse is saying. In fact, if you go back to Romans chapter 5 verse 20, now, a very important thing with Bible study is the meaning of epistles means letters. Okay, the word epistles mean letters. So when you understand that, you realize that chapters and they were not originally written in chapters and verses. Chapters and verses were added not to separate the thought, but for reference sake. If you're following me, drop a fire emoji. Let me know you're still following me. Okay, chapters and verses were written for reference sake. They were not written to break the flow of thought. So everything... When you read Romans chapter 1 verse 1 down to Romans chapter 16, Paul was basically, it was one letter. He was not basically saying one thing in verse 1. Of course, he had different emphasis through the course of the letter, but he was not trying to divide the thought. He was not basically, he was not trying to divide his thoughts. So, when you read this Romans chapter 6 verse 1, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. You, you then get to understand that saying that grace stops flowing or grace stops, um, reduces in its, in its, how do I explain this now? Grace has little viscosity, let me put it that way, little flow. Or grace stops flowing because sin abounds. 
it, it stands contrary to what is seen in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, which says, where grace, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And there's a reason for this because um, it's just the same thing. Like I said this last week, but I, for people that, uh, that didn't join in last week, I want to give a little more context to what we're saying. When you read that um, 1, John 5, 1 John 2, where it said, I write to you that you sin not. But if you sin, remember you have an advocate with the Father, right? So that changes everything because when you realize what J uh, John was saying, John was not basically telling us, I write to you that you sin, I write to you that you sin not, but when you sin. He's saying that because he realizes and he knows that we are human, we have frailties, we will make mistakes. So the dangerous place, especially when a believer falls, is that he goes to the far end of, con of condemnation. There is something called Godsy guilt. What that is for the believer is this. Because Jesus has died your death, because Jesus has paid your price, what the believer actually has when the believer falls to sin is the believer has guts. When I say guts, I mean the believer can walk boldly into the presence of his father and says, I know this is not what I'm supposed to do. However, I am bold to receive. I am bold because I have received your forgiveness. Because this is the thing. Bible doctrine is very, it's a thin line. A little to the left, I've, I've been saying this thing from university days. A little to the left is too far. A little to the right is too far. So you need to pay attention when um, the apostles are saying what they are saying. And the end of Bible study is this. If you get any other interpretation rather than what the author intended, then that interpretation is wrong. And that's why you can't be liberal with Bible interpretation. You can't be liberal with Bible study. You can't say what the text means to me. What the text means to you is irrelevant. What act now, what you can get from the text is an application. Guys, are you here? What you can get from the text is an application. What you can get from the text is an application. What you can't get from the text is your personal interpretation. Right here, say amen. Right. So what you can get is an application, but what you can't get is a personal interpretation. Meaning, you can't say to me, you know, we live in a very liberal generation where everybody has their own truth. Everybody has what truth means to them. But when it comes to and appertaining to the word of God, um, you don't handle it that way. You handle how you arrive at truth is by knowing what the author intended. So this is it. Truth is not invented. Truth is discovered. Like Paul told us, like I've quoted continuously in this um, commentary. Paul basically told us, he said that, that when you read, you might understand the, my revel the revelation of the mystery. Ephesians 3.3. 3. So what he basically wanted us to do is, when we read it, we arrive at the same conclusion that he has arrived at. That's how to do Bible study. Like, like I did in one of those videos I did, uh, like I said, I think at Seller, that, that was an excerpt. When you see more than what is written, usually you, g you learn that error. When you reach more than what is written, usually you arrive mercy. Amen? Amen. Do you understand me? Yes, you do. All right. Romans chapter 6. In says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How? Now, Especially when Paul says, God forbid, a lot of people end at that God forbid like two of them are one verse. But of course, if you read Romans 5.20, 
and then you see that you now begin to see that what Paul was saying and what people think Paul was saying are not the same thing. So, look at what he Shall we say then, shall we continue seeing that grace may abound? God forbid. Full stop. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer daring? So, basically, excuse me, basically what Paul was saying is this. Paul was not saying, amen, no. Paul was not saying that if we continue, if we sin, grace ceases. What he was saying is we who are dead to sin, we don't live any longer. We who are dead to sin don't live any longer in sin. Why? Because you can't say that God has abounded to you and then you continue in sin. Not that when you sin, grace use this verse and they think that the grace of God negates the consecration of the believer. Whereas this verse is actually saying the opposite. This verse is actually saying because the is um, basically Titus chapter 2 verse 12 in another way. Basically that the grace of God has appeared unto all men teaching us to deny worldliness and ungodliness running from, from worldly law. That's exactly what this verse is saying. So I want to put that again. Paul is not saying that we will continue in sin. If we continue in sin, grace flows. If not, John, when John told us that I write to you that you sin not, but if you sin, remember you have an advocate. So also you can tell the believer that don't sin, but if you sin, remember you have the grace of God has abounded unto you. Okay? Then the next thing he now says is, so let's read it again. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. The word God forbid, basically, Paul is not saying that grace is it. He's saying the God forbid there makes it look like it's illogical. It's an exclamation. He's say, basically saying that we don't continue in sin and say that grace may abound. He now says, how shall we that are dead to sin? So, on the premise of what he said in verse 1, he's driving at a logical conclusion. He says, how shall we that are dead to sin live therein any longer? How shall we who are dead to sin now stay and live in sin? He's basically, you know, the same way um, Paul teaches like this concept, the same way he says that because Christ has forgiven you, you know, you forgive all men, right? Because your body goes, there's what is expected of the believer. It is the same way that we then get to see Paul teach this. He says, you don't continue in sin because you have been dead to sin. You don't live therein any longer. That's basically what he was saying. Not that when the believer falls to sin, the grace on his life is cut short. Guys, are you with me? Let me know if you understand what I'm saying first. Then there's a reason for this because the devil thrives on ignorance. So when the believer, if you, are, you as a believer, if you fall to sin, right, this verse will not be playing in your head. You will not be saying, oh Lord, my grace has cut. You know, you will not be thinking and the devil will be using this verse misconstrued to pummel you. And that's what sound teaching does. The more knowledgeable you are, the more disarmed the enemy is in your life. If you're with me, just let me know you're with me. Drop, drop, drop an emoji, drop a comment. Let me know you are following me. Let me know you're following me. Okay, fantastic. Now let's go on. He now says, let me read from verse 2. God forbid... How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Look at this. He said, know ye not 
that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. He said, therefore, we are buried with, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Of course, if you read uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 4, you get to find out that when he says that Christ was raised from death by the glory of the Father, he basically means that Christ was risen from the dead by the, by the instrumentality of the Holy Ghost. Okay, Romans 1 4. You know, being declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection of power according to the Spirit of Holy. He said, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the what? Newness of life. Look at this. So, Paul now starts by what he was saying in uh, Romans chapter 6. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Then you look at this verse 3. Remember what I said. Paul continually teaches like this because what he basically expected was at the end of revelation was actions. Right? Basically, you know to do. So that's why he will say, know ye not. Know ye not. When Paul consistently says things like, know ye not, it's because there is something he was expecting of the believer. What he expected of the believer. All right. So, um, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer? Now, he was, he was drawing conclusion with them. What, does, what do I mean by that? He was um, trying to reason something out with them. He now says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer daring? Okay? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer daring? He now goes on to say, know ye not. Know ye not. Now, when he says know ye not, he's not, yes, he's trying to teach them something, but or he's basically trying to draw their attention. Do not know. When you tell somebody, do you not know, you are basically calling them on responsibility of what they have heard before. Guys, do you get this, please? Let me know if this is clear. When you tell somebody, do you not know, you are basically calling them to responsibility of what they've known before. Do you get this? So he says, ESV now, he says, do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, we are baptized into his death? We are baptized into his death. Let me go back to KJV. He now says, verse 4, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should what? Walk in the newness of life. So, this is the way my man of God puts it. He said, baptism is a which you partake put it that way. If you read what um, it says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Okay? I mean, when you look at Romans 6.3, you look at Romans 6.4, you look at Romans 6.5, Paul starts the thought by saying, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were what? Baptized into death. Were baptized into his death. 
Paul, Paul hinges his thought on the next two verses on that word baptism. Baptized into his death, he now says, Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should what? walk in the newness of life. So Paul now basically says this, in fact, raging from what he said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we who are dead to sin live any longer daring? That we were dead with Christ. So he's basically saying that those who died with Christ and those who rose with Christ, they don't live after the manner of what they have died unto. Are you here? Guys, are you with me, please? He said with Christ and those who have risen with Christ, they don't live after the manner of what they have died unto. Are you here? Beautiful. They don't live after the manner of what they have died unto. Remember, um, Pastor Oge said something I will never forget. He said, Bible study is an exhaustive discipline. It's not something that you, you hit and run. It's not something that once you arrive at, you just run at it and you run away. You, do, you don't do that to Bible study. Uh, pertaining to Bible study, Bible study is exhaustive. So you stay on Bible study in quotes till Bible study delivers. Praise the living Jesus. Oh. You stay on Bible study till you get it. You know, a man of God basically said something. He said, any verse of scripture wrongly exegeted is a treasure lost. Okay? He said, any verse of scripture wrongly exegeted is a treasure lost. In the same vein, I can make an argument that um, any verse of scripture you don't any verse of scripture that you, you don't get and then you are nonchalant about it some people say nonchalant but it's nonchalant any verse of scripture you are nonchalant about it right you, you miss it you miss a treasure in that verse of scripture praise Jesus so Bible study is an exhaustive discipline it's not something you approach lazily it's, Paul tells Timothy concerning this thing he says Study to show yourself approach. Be a workman. It means that when studying Bible study, when having Bible study rather, there is a way to be a workman. There's a way to be a workman. There's a way. Um, um, there's a way being a workman helps. All right. Or that's that's what the approach to Bible study should be. Hallelujah. If you are with me, drop a fire emoji. Let me know you are still following me now. Both on Mixler and, um, okay, good. He says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. This is a, this is, of course, what Paul is saying here is salvific. If we died with Christ, we will rise with Christ. If we died with Christ, we will rise with Christ. Now, knowing this, ah, see, Paul Paul is not just telling us what to do. He's telling us how he arrived at that conclusion. That's why in verse 3, verse three he will say things like, know ye not. In verse 6, he will say things like, knowing this. Are you here? Because the grace of God has abounded to the man in Christ. The man in Christ does not sin. Remember, this is the context of Romans chapter 6. Because the grace of God has abounded in the man in Christ, the man in Christ does not what? Live in sin. The man in Christ does not live in sin. You know, he says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, 
that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life, verse 5, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the like which we shall be also in the likeness of what? His resurrection. Look at verse 6. He said, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve him. So look at this. When the Bible clearly lets us understand that we are buried with Christ, your old man died with Christ. Hallelujah. See, you need to, when Paul tells us revelations like this, we hold it as God's word because it is true. Look at that verse 6 again. He said, knowing this, knowing what? Knowing that we died with Christ and then we were resurrected with him. Baptism is a, is a method, is a spiritual method. Let me sound deep. Is a spiritual technology by which we partake of the deep things that Christ has made available to us. <laughs> Sorry, I'm preaching myself happy. All right? Is a technology in the divine by which we come into and metamorphose. We intermingle with divine realities. <laughs> oh my goodness. Look. <laughs> Anyways. Hallelujah. If you are still with me, say uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I can't see your uh-huh or your uh-huh. Fantastic. 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 What is that deep thing I just said now? It's a spiritual technology by which we intermingle with the realities of the divine. Makabo Shanda, Ilawara Swa. My God. I'm preaching myself happy. All right. So he says this, knowing this, knowing what? That, and this is what I used to say. You see, revelation, okay? At the end of revelation is action. You see, I started talking on this line at the last supernatural class. You know, Birmingham. My mixed lab people, I'm definitely going to see you in Lagos. I, I will, as the Lord liveth, I will see you. I will see you in, I, want, I would have said something. But, but as the Lord liveth, I will be with you guys in Lagos. And then the word too will be made alive to you. Amen. Okay, so look at this. He, you see, in fact, supernatural class is really going to be a powerful meeting. Like this supernatural class we're having. Because, I mean, I, I've, the, Lord, the Lord basically ministered to me... Um, I have a lot I can teach, okay? There's a lot I can teach. When it comes to supernatural class, I like to ask the Lord, what will you have me say, you know? And then he drops a topic in my spirit. And then as he drops a topic in my spirit, I like to... Um, I usually have a word in my spirit. And that, that word... So the Lord dropped a word in my spirit and I started fleshing it out. I mean, supernatural class this month, we're looking at letters from God, the supernatural word. So, you know, I tuned into my man of God. He was preaching this morning. And as he was preaching, I said, this is my note. You know, some high points, not everything. I said, this is exactly my note, right? And, and it's really going to be powerful, all right? So if you're in Birmingham, if you're in the UK, if you're anywhere in the Midlands, you want, even if you're not, even if you're not in the Midlands, if you're in Nigeria, you want to stream the meeting is this Saturday by 1 p.m. Amen? Amen. Stream and your life will never remain the same again. Now, now, now. Anyways. So look at what he said. He said, knowing this. So, you see, as believers, there is a reason we do what we do. We don't just do it because it's what they said we should do. Paul is telling them not to continue in sin. Why? He, he, and he has a reason. And the reason for that was what? Knowing this. 
Are you with me now? The reason for that was a knowing this. So, if they tell you, why don't you do this? You will say, because I know that I have died with Christ and then I rose with him. Because I have died with Christ and then I rose with him. Therefore, I don't do this thing. So, look at what he said in that verse 6. He said, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. Look at this. The old man, Adamakosha, the Kilia. The old man is crucified. How do you? So he said, knowing this, that the old man is crucified, that the body of sin is destroyed, that we might not serve sin. Let me read that in another translation. Um, verse 6. Look at verse 6. Contemporary English version. It says, we know that the persons we used to be were nailed to the cross. To, to the cross with Christ. This, con this uh, co corroborates with Ephesians chapter 1. Alright? In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul said something very important. Um, Paul said something very important in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul said something very important in Ephesians chapter 1. He said, Ephesians chapter 2 rather, he said, you who were dead in sin and trespasses, hath he quickened. There was us who was dead in sin. There is the old man. But the one who has come to Christ is the new man in Christ. Is the one who, you know, like the Bible says in Ephesians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And of course, when he says that all things are passed away, the old things that have passed away are the things that are consistent with our nature in sin. Because if you read... Well, the context. He says, the context of that verse was Paul basically telling us that um, uh, Paul was basically telling us basically about the man in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but live for him who died and rose again. Next verse. No, we no man after the flesh. You know, for we knew Christ, but no, we no man. Next verse. If any man be in Christ. He's a new creature. All things have passed away. So we don't act according to the flesh. We don't even know ourselves according to the flesh. We know ourselves and descend us by the spirit. And then we live, con con we live um, in line with the, same, with the same mindset or we live in line as people who have, um, who live for the one who died for us. That's basically what he's saying. Okay. I hope I'm not saying too much because I hope it's not information overload. So, look at, look at this verse. Um, let me read it. Let me read that same verse in ESV. In ESV. Verse 6, it says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Oh my goodness. Let me go back to KJV. The translation God speaks now. He says. He says. Um, knowing this. That our old man. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should no longer serve sin. So look at this. Let, look, look, look at verse 7. He said for he that is dead is Say, I'm freed from sin. Come on, say it with your child. Adeshola, you especially. Say, I am free from sin. Say, I'm free from sin. Come on. I'm free from sin. 
you know. The believer is not helpless to sin. The believer is not helpless to sin. Why? He's not just helpless to sin because he has a fine face. So. The believer is free from sin. Why? And when he says free from sin, we know what it means. Look at the verse prior. He said that the body of sin might be destroyed, that we should no longer serve sin. So when he says we are free from sin, if you follow the verses prior, it means that we are free from servicing sin. Or from, see, let me make a bold statement. Even the believer that is struggling with habits and addiction is not, is not helpless against sin. The believer, that wow, I like it. Can I enter the matter now? The believer that is free from the believer that is struggling with a habit, he has the engine at work in him that has freed him from sin. Is why? Because, because that believer too is free from sin. That believer, he is free from sin because he is dead to sin. Think about it. Can you seduce a man that is dead? Just think about it. Apart from the fact that that would be very weird. But, um, apart from the fact that that would be very weird. You can't seduce a dead man. Why? He's dead. He has no impulses to respond to you on. Alright? He has no, uh, well, after 76 hours. But after 72 hours. But you know what I mean. He has no active impulses to respond on. And when I said, let me just, for people who are wondering why I said after 72 hours, the reason I said that is because um, I, I read somewhere that when someone dies, their body still has brain activity. Or so their body can respond defaultly for like 72 hours. Somebody's wondering, Pierre, why are you reading this? Even me, I don't know. But um, your, the body has impulses. But yes, um, that's, that's what I know. Okay. So, look at this. It says, so how do I know that the believer is free from sin? Because that believer is dead to sin. How do I know the believer is dead to sin? Simple. Because that believer also has died with Christ. Are you seeing the waterfall train of thought? I'm a project manager, so now so we see him. Are you seeing the waterfall train of thought? The believer who is dead to sin, or let me start, you died with Christ, and if you died with him, you resurrect with him, and because you resurrect with him, you walk in the newness of life. Are you with me now? You walk in the what? In the newness of life. Let me, let me also say something. This being dead is not a prayer point. It's a fact. This being dead is not... See, let me tell you something. You need to understand the tenses of salvation. Okay? When it says it's done, don't be praying for it to happen. I'm going to explain this at, the next, at supernatural class. On, see, supernatural class, if you miss it, you're on your own. I can't help you. When... Okay, look at what the Bible says here. Oh, my goodness. He said, for, for he that is dead. He did not say, he that is praying to be dead, he that will be dead. See, being dead in Christ, eh, it's not a realm the man, of, the man in Christ steps into. It is a realm you are born into. So whether you know it or not, is at work. Are you with me? Is at work. Now, how do, does this happen? You need to sit down with God's word. And you need to sit down. If it has not broken upon you yet, you don't know it well enough. I remember one time I was about to have a meeting called Fire Conference. The first one I held. A guy met me and he said, I'm struggling with habits. Please pray for me. I said, I don't feel like. And he, he, he told me years later that he felt very upset. 
thought I would tell him mid as I lay hands on him, he will somatumble four times and the demon will walk out of him. That's what he expected. But can I even tell you something? Even when you cast out a demon from someone, now, make no mistake, not all addictions are caused by demon spirits. Hmm? Not all of them are caused by demon spirits. However, you can start in the flesh and continue in a spirit. Not D, now. A spirit. The spirit will tell you, you have gone this far. Let me carry you further. You have gone this far. Let me, I will take it from here. Take a back seat. Do you understand? Is no doll, no doll. Not all demons. Mm? Not all. <laughs> See, I'm a pastor. I've seen strange things. Strange. I remember there was a lady I had a fire conference one time. She did, she was cutting herself. I remember her name. She was cutting herself. She might have started it because she was sad. But a spirit came and said, I do this. I specialize in this thing. I specialize in this thing. Let me help you. Let me come dodge your vein. Let me, let me assist you in removing your vein. Okay. Now, as I was ministering, she told me a man walked out of her. Hmm? She might have started it with an experiment. Do you know what Jesus, what Paul said? Paul said, don't let the sun set on your anger so that the devil does not what? Take ad- he does not take advantage. So there is a way you, the anger started in the flesh and it was legit. But as the sun began to set, the devil said, there's opportunity here. There's opportunity. Let's invest in this place. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. Please go with me. Am I preaching good? Whether I say yes or not, I am. But let me just hear you. I'm, I'm very happy this evening now. Glory to God. Mm-hmm. So, look at this. Let me read again. He said, the person, if you read Romans chapter 3, 4, 5, 6. Now, this guy was telling me, this, he thought I would lay hands on him and then the power of God will pick him, drop him, pick him again. Drop. See, I've seen dangerous flows of the power of God. Eh? I've laid hands on people and it looked like they died under my hand. I'm like, Jehovah. Not only the person, the person will off. You know, it's the power of God. It they happen. Do you understand? It they happen. But this is the thing. <laughs> Jehovah. The, I knew that that wouldn't help him. And even if I cast out devils from him, eject the evil spirits very quickly. It will not go far. Because even if you cast out the devil, at the end of the day, it is the word that will stay you. Is the word casting out the devil is a quick fix. It is the word that will stabilize a man. I am now. Casting out the devil is a what? It's a quick fix. It is the word that will what? Stabilize a man. Praise the Lord. So look at this. He says, You are dead with Christ, you are you will rise with him, or you are risen with him. Next verse. Knowing this, that our old man is what? Crucified. Past or present tense, please. Or present continuous. Old man is crucified. Our old man is crucified. It's not, it's not, it's not present continuous. It's a fact. You need to learn to brag about the facts of salvation. I am crucified. I am dead. Don't say it in front of your parents. They begin to plead the blood of Jesus. I am crucified. I am dead. And look at what he says in verse 7. For he that is dead is what? Freed from sin. Say I am dead. Please be specific. 
Say, Jesus. Somebody said, oh, thank you for killing me. So he says, so it's not a fact. So you don't pray to die. It is a fact. So this guy, you know, he came up to me and he was telling me, you know, he's struggling with habits. And I said, you know what? Sit down with the Bible. Read Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 8. You will read it twice a day for two weeks. I think I told him three times a day. I said, don't even use KJV. Use an easy version you will understand. And he read it. He said, at the end of it, when the urge will just come, you will just be spitting out, know ye not that you are who you are dead to sin, have been free from sin. You come out like autopilot. Like I said, because at the end of revelation is a manifestation. If you, rem- if you ruminate on it long enough, it will have expressions in your everyday. Praise the Lord. Alright, so look, let's, let's go on. He said, verse 7, for he that is dead is what? Freed from sin. Come on, say this with me. Say I am dead to sin. Therefore, I am freed from sin. Say I am dead to sin. Therefore, I am freed from sin. Alright. He says, look at verse 8. He said, now, now, like I said, Paul uses revelation to arrive at a logical conclusion. He says, now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also what? Live with him. He said, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death have no more dominion over him. Look at verse 10. For he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Verse 11, he now says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves. Ah, See, Christ is our pattern man. Christ is our example. What God achieved in Christ was not for Christ. What God achieved in Christ was for me. Now, what are they trying? What God, you know, my man of God says it this way. He says, in Christ is not just a message to live, it's an example to emulate. All right? What we see in I mean, look at the Bible about Jesus coming to die. Are you aware Jesus did not die for himself? When the Bible says he is seated, he has all authority. He is God. But that all authority he had, he conferred it over to what? The church, his body. That's why we are the word fullness of him that fills all in all. So Paul, in premising what he has been saying, in Paul premising all he has been saying, in Paul premising everything he has been saying, he premised it on the fact that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And when Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, what did, what did we do? We were baptized into him. Like I said, what's that my definition of? That deep uh, definition. Baptism is a technology by which we plug in to divine realities. <laughs> I can't say it with a straight face. Thank you. Uh-huh. Baptism is a divine technology by which we mingle with divine realities. Hi! What a grace. (laughs) I'm preaching myself happy. (laughs) Anyways. When I say what is the future, somebody say only you can remember, sir. (laughs) Anyways. So look at this. What God achieved in Christ was for me. Are you here? Say it with your chest. What God achieved in Christ. Tommy Sola, you are not saying it. Say what God achieved in Christ was for me. 
So this is it. It says, knowing that, so everything Paul is telling us, he's premising it on what Jesus did. See, the Christian life is copy and paste. Oh, that's powerful. Even me, they bless myself. The Christian life is copy and paste. What we see him do, we do. Because he worked miracles, he has given us his spirit, we can do the same. Because he did the reconciliation, he has given us his spirit, we can tell it and see men reconciled. Are you with me now? Because he cast out devils, he has given us his authority, we can duplicate the same. I mean, when he sent the apostles out to cast out devils, he had not died, so they didn't have his spirit. But what did he give them? His name. So in his name, they cast out devils too. So we have the same. Praise the Lord. So look at this. He said, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be what? Dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin, therefore what? Reign in your mortal body. Ah, Let me read this again. He said, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, let me have Philip. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death had no more what? Dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin. How long? Once. But in that he liveth, he what? Liveth unto God. He liveth what? Unto God. Likewise. So, look at what Jesus has done. Then because of what Jesus has done, what does he now tell you? Likewise. Does likewise sound like control C, control V? Does it sound that way? Yes, that's exactly what it is. Control C, control V. So, he looks at what Jesus has done and he says, likewise. Reckon ye also yourselves to be what? Dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Say I'm dead to sin. And this is the thing. In prayer, when you go into prayer, you begin to repeat these things. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive unto God. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive unto God. When temptation hold you like hot yam, cold yam, you say I'm dead to sin. I'm alive unto God. Is who I am. The old man has died. I reckon that Jesus died. Therefore, I reckon that I have risen with him. Hallelujah. So he says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey his laws. Why should sin not reign in my mortal body? Go back to verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Are you here? We don't serve sin. Why? Because sin therefore reigns. Sin therefore has been destroyed. Therefore sin will not reign in our mortal body and we don't obey the lusts of sin. Verse 13 now says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are what? Alive from the dead. Ah, see, I'm alive from the dead. If Christ died and rose, because I believe in him, I died with him and rose with him. He says, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. See, so when a lot of people use this verse to, they use this verse to say, why are you behaving like this? Sin does not have dominion over you. Hey, hey. Paul was not using this verse as a reprimand. He was using this verse to bring something to their consciousness. 
He was using this verse to tell them that sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you are under, under the grace of God. Under the law, the law told men, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, you shall not. The law was telling men not to do. But under grace, it is him that is at work in me. Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Hallelujah. He's the one that is at work in me. Both to what? Will and to do of his good pleasure. Sin has no dominion. Sin has no dominion. You can defeat that habit. Why? Sin shall not have dominion over you. You are not under the law. You are under grace. Christ died. Therefore you died. Sin does not have what? Dominion over you. Praise the Lord. So listen. Listen. There is a reason we can flee from sin. Because remember, he died. Because he died, he rose again. We live in the newness of life. Sin has no dominion over me. It doesn't matter how long you struggle with that addiction, with that habit, with that character flaw, sin. You are dead to sin. And look at this verse. When he said, neither yield ye your members. The word yield here means that you can. It means that you can do it and you can stop. Are you here? When he says yield, it means that the believer should not do this. So he said, don't yield. You can tell the believer, don't sin because he's dead to sin. You can't tell the unbeliever, don't sin. He's alive in sin. The unbeliever is alive in sin. So you can't tell him don't sin. You can't tell a dog not to bark. You can't tell a sinner not to sin. You can tell a saint don't sin because they are dead to sin. But you can't tell that to an unbeliever. Because sin is what they do. That they run and steady. Is what they do. Hallelujah. I see him seated. My death is paid. This is my Sabbath. This is my rest. He died and rose, and so did I. Bless you.